Welcome to SkyCast episode 41, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I am Sarah McCabe. Wow. <laughs> I wanted to change it up a little bit today. Whoa. <laughs> uh, today we'll be discussing the penultimate episode of season six, episode 12, Adjustment Protocol. Uh, so what did you think of this episode? Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. A lot happens. Overall positive feelings. Yeah, I feel really great. I really enjoyed it, but it's just like... Oh my gosh, feel, it's just like thing after thing yeah, after thing. I feel a little pummeled. Yeah. I'm a little like out of breath because like there's so much plot happening in this episode. Mm-hmm. There's a there's like a lot like again like I was saying to you earlier to get from where we've started this episode to where we finished this episode it would take most s- series like two or three episodes <laughs> like they just jam packed this baby yeah packed quite for the better punch. or for worse I'm not sure I, I I did really enjoy this episode but I also felt like it was a bit rushed I agree I agree but for the most part I liked it I yeah. enjoyed it uh, yeah before we get into anything I have a very important announcement to make oh yeah which I'm sure all of you have seen by the time that this podcast airs, which is season seven will be the very last season of the hundred. One hundred episodes for the hundred. Yep. Which we knew. Which like, we, like let's be honest, we all knew. We highly suspected. We knew. <laughs> um, but we just got confirmation from Jason and the CW that next season will be the last I feel really good about this. I think the show has had a really strong run and I want it to like go out on top, you know? Yeah, I want it to end on a high note. I want them to end it in the way they always envisioned it to end. Uh, I don't want them to drag it out. I want this to be... Well, we know for a fact that it can't end the way Jason originally envisioned it because he said they've actually already passed that ending and we've like moved on. But I feel like once they passed that ending, then they had to like reconfigure what the rest of the series was going to look like. And I feel like he has like vision 2.0. I agree. And I want them to deliver on that and execute it in a way that feels satisfying to both them and to us. So, And we will be back for season seven. One last time. One last ride. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So. Just wanted to put that at the top of the episode before we dive in. Um, Also wanted to give a very gracious, warm shout out to Kylie in the Sky uh, for giving us a delightful review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Thank you. um, Again for that. And then also wanted to call out uh, Rhonda Agnew 51 for leaving us such thoughtful uh, comments on the Podbean app. I love reading all of your comments. I'm sorry that I didn't get to respond to every single one of them, but I really do like thoroughly enjoy it so like you guys should like continually comment and leave us notes and stuff like I get such a kick out of it we get so excited when we get messages it's (laughs) like it honestly like it changes my whole week and then I brag to my mom um (laughs) we're cool we are so popular um so please please go rate and review us on iTunes and other platforms it helps other fans of the hundred find us also it's a nice boost for us um so thank you please go do that right now before we get into the recap and with that Let's do it. Let's jump in. Episode 612, Adjustment Protocol. Clark gets a new mind drive installed while Maddie screams. Abby comes in, sees Clark pretending to be Josephine, and tells Russell she will kill him for this. Russell says he believes her, and then tells Abby to take two more doses from Maddie, even though this will probably kill her. Um, well, the first thing I wanted to call out about this scene is I really love the way that Eliza acts 
Mm-hmm. In this scene, um, it's so subtle and super emotional and very powerful. I just think it's really well done. And she didn't have a lot of work. She didn't have a lot to work with, just her face. But, you know, for I mean, Eliza, yeah. that's all she needs. So it was really great. It was hard to watch. It was. Um, she's lucky that she was in that, like, facial, like, massage table thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? So she could hide herself because I don't know if Clark could have kept it together. I mean, Clark is amazing. So she is. She could have probably kept it together. Well, I think that she together. was like, oh, this is, like, the only time where I'm going to get to emote so better get it over with yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the scene where Abby sees Clark slash Josephine or what she believes to be Josephine for the first time. Uh, and it's kind of funny because, you know, we've been dealing with Clark Josephine since episode four. Yeah. Um, so this is like a long time coming. Personally, um, given that this is like the quote unquote confirmation that Abby has that her daughter's dead because she still had um, some of that hope that she was holding on to that Bellamy would save Clark. Yeah. Um, I know that Abby cries, but I it almost felt like it's she wasn't upset enough or wasn't shocked enough that her daughter is dead. You I know agree. what I mean? That, that was my first reaction as well. I felt underwhelmed by Abby's reaction to seeing Josephine slash Clark and I feel like there's a lot of notes that they needed Abby to hit in this episode and Mm -hmm. I think they didn't want to expend all the emotional energy in this first scene because of what we know is coming up later and so they wanted to contain it as much as they could in order for the later scenes to impact us more emotionally I don't necessarily agree with that choice, but I think that's maybe why they did that. Maybe. I I, I think I personally, this is one of the things that feels a little bit rushed to me because she finds out Clark is, you know, quote unquote dead and then finds out she's alive very quickly afterward. I feel like they should have like given it an episode to let that really soak in before Mm -hmm. the reveal that Clark is alive, just because Abby hasn't been dealing with this as long as the rest of our our people have been. Yeah, I agree. I would have um, I would have liked some time to marinate in this a little more. But there is no time left. There's none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing I wanted to call out which I found like really funny in this scene is Russell because he's been spending this entire season pretending that he's this like you know, moral leader and good guy and a god and angelic. And then, like, he comes face to face with Abby and, like, really just admits to her, like, yeah, I would do anything to save my kid, which is why I believe you. And that entails murdering a bunch of people like you're threatening to do for me. So, like, I like that he finally, like, in this weird moment, like, owns his, like, evilness, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know... He he always seemed to I, I'm not sure I would say he's like owning his evilness because number one, I don't know if I would consider him evil. Oh, I definitely think... have s- some issues, some moral issues. I feel like at this point I don't know, Josephine to me and like murdering babies, like that's evil. Russell's kind of a step underneath that. I don't think he enjoys hurting people in the same way that it seems Josephine does sometimes I don't think either of them enjoy it I think Josephine is like neutral about killing people and while Russell feels semi bad or guilty I meant, about it I said enjoy hurting people I think Josephine really likes 
she enjoys getting response from people and hurting people. I guess And I so. also think that, like, she's totally cool with killing. Like, she has no moral issues with that whatsoever. Whereas I think Russell does. He just puts those aside. I was going to say, but that also kind of makes it worse for me because he, like, can identify that this is something that's wrong but yet is incapable of change like he refuses to to do any differently and i i think that's evil i mean we can debate that and what the definition of evil is but i think for the purposes of like continually murdering people and like putting your own wants above others is is pretty close to evil for me yeah evil's strong for me and i also feel like our people have learned a lot in the last five seasons, six seasons. Like, they've been through a lot. They've been through, like, a wide range of, like, moral states. Um, and where we are now, yes, we can, like, very clearly see that, you know, the the people, the primes are wrong. But I feel like where they started, I can see our people, where our people started, you know, falling into the same traps. Um, like, I think it is very much a matter of circumstance. Um, I think that the Primes started out just, you know, with Russell wanting his family back, and that, like, really spiraled from there. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you take a small step, and then you take a slightly bigger step. And I, 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 I just, I think that there's a little bit more complexity here than just, like, calling them evil. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very complex. I don't think the show does anything in black and white. What I'm saying is at the state that they're in now, um, I don't think you can equivocate it and say it's anything. I mean, it, it's they're habitually mass murdering people. Like, True. But I mean, our people also have murdered people to survive. Yeah. And we've called them out on it. Like bad times. But, you know, other times I understand. I don't know what I would do in that situation. But just the fact that I'm questioning it you know makes me wonder like you know maybe I would pull that lever or that lever or that lever, or that lever. <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't I think there's something different I'm having a hard time articulating it but I think it has something to do with the fact that he has other choices that he could make and he chooses not to choose them um I mean his other choice I mean I guess it's like living a life and then death but yeah, I mean like a full life but but then he's also lost you know his daughter and his wife and if he but could bring them so back like I get why he does it it's just so so selfish of course it's selfish but that's the, the difference the is need to survive is selfish I just don't think that the choices that our our protagonists have made thus far for better or for worse and there have been plenty of worse have been selfish choices you don't think so you don't think that wanting to keep your family alive over other people which is what Clark and Bellamy have done many times they have I don't think that's selfish well not in the context of like you have one life to live no yeah but what if you could you know save your family it just means killing other people I mean like I I just think there's like a a line that I get what the show is trying to do and show its moral complexity and I hope that I wouldn't choose to body snatch. I don't think I would because that doesn't seem like a way that I would want to live. But I don't know. I don't even know where we started with this I'm conversation. Not sure I was just going to say, where are we? Um, <laughs> we'll take this offline. If you guys have thoughts on this, please weigh in. Uh, I think we're just sort of like debating 
in the way that we like to do best. <laughs> this is what it looks like when we're <laughs> offline. So sorry for that. Um, but let's keep going. Um, yeah. So moving on, Raven does seem particularly disturbed by what's happening to Maddie, like even more so than Jackson and Abby. Um, and right now Maddie is really acting like I feel Raven did when she was possessed by Allie. And I wonder if this is like Raven kind of getting a taste of like what it feels to have people that you care about, like lashing out at you, like from their mouths but it's not them you know yeah because yeah. she hasn't experienced that yet and I can totally see her like looking at Maddie and being like oh my god is this what I looked like mm-hmm. but I also feel like this is really you know Raven coming into her own and taking again Kane's missive to her to heart I this whole episode this is a much softer and gentler and more compassionate Raven than we have seen oh, yeah. all season. Uh, so I think it's a lot of things at play. And it's just, yeah, I, I really like the idea of Raven taking a particular interest and protection, protectiveness over Maddie. Yeah, and I I wonder if that has anything to do with Clark and her guilt over how she treated Clark. One could only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Bellamy, Octavia, and Gabriel all wait at the fence with the children. Bellamy is worried about his family, but Octavia tells him to have faith that they'll be okay. In the Sanctum Dining Hall, Murphy tries to convince Amori that becoming a prime will allow them to help their friends. Clark comes in with Russell and asks him to wait before they resurrect Simone, and Russell threatens Amori and Murphy against doing anything to hurt him and his family. Yeah, so I think what struck me the most in this couple of scenes here is Bellamy already starting to sort of balance his head and his heart again uh you know he's counseling Gabriel to stay put and stick to the plan and it's like now that Clark's alive you know for now he can start to be more of himself again in the Bellamy 3.0 that we had all come to love and appreciate well true and not just that but like he trusts Clark so implicitly um you know Clark has literally never let them down when it comes to a plan like she always somehow makes it work um and I know that you know you make things work until you don't, but I think he truly believes that she has this in her. Yeah, I mean, I think he views her as kind of like a, a superhero, honestly. <laughs> it's because she is. She is. <laughs> She's amazing. I love, 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 love that Octavia is the one doing the comforting here because first off, it has been so long since we've seen anything like that. Have we ever Death- seen anything well, I like remember, that? Well, I remember Octavia comforted um, Jasper after... Maya died that's true that was before Lincoln died so basically ever since Lincoln died Octavia has not been in this headspace at all and I I just really appreciated seeing that here and I love how she's you know telling Bellamy that Echo is strong because you know we know that Octavia and Echo have um, a bit of a rough past Um, so it does seem like Octavia is really um, trying to put aside you know, all the differences of the past and like move forward and like just be a better person, be a better sister, um, be a better friend. So yeah, I absolutely I love, it. love it was just basking and it. it was great. And I love Bellamy's line here too. Um, the truth is you're fine until you're not. Yeah. Just because like, like I said with Clark earlier, um, you know, yes, they're fine. You, you can have someone, you know, win every single time but like it only takes losing one time to you know end things yeah and I think that that's really I mean juxtaposing that with the rest of some of the 
themes of this episode and this season where, you know, life is precious Mm -hmm. and short and you need to make every moment count. And that's why if you can't die, you know, the sort of preciousness of life is diminished. Um, I think it all goes really hand in hand. And that's a, it's a great way of, of reinterpreting that sentiment. Yeah. Um, so switching to the Amori Murphy stuff. So Murphy is really trying to convince himself that he can have it all. Like he can have immortality. He can have the girl. He can have his family safety. But like, let's be honest here. He is fooling himself. Like there was never a way that he could have had all of that. No, of course not. And as Russell pointed out in last episode, like Murphy is a survivor. Like he's always going to have an angle. My question is, what is his angle in this scene? I mean, like, I think you're right in that he's, like, deluding himself here. But, like, what's the best case scenario here? Like, he says to Amori, you know, we're doing this to save our friends, to help our friends. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I think he he says to Amori, like, doing this also helps our friends. It's not we're doing this to do it, but how? Well, because if you have power, if you come into power in this society, then you have power to, like, save people that you care about. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I was, like... Is this like another moment of delusion? Okay, but I mean, I I don't think again. I I think Murphy is deluding himself. I don't think that they have, or will have the kind of power they think they have. Yeah, because um, Russell, it seems, has always kept a really tight holds over Sanctum and its people, and he just kind of like does stuff without consulting the other primes. Of so. course, and especially since like they're not primes, they're Murphy and Amori. Like, I mean, they outsiders. are primes. They're just well, new ones. They're new ones. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to get the same kind of leeway or um, free range that even the other primes have experienced in their limited capacity. Yeah, I, I did like the little moment where Echo, um, or where Amori realizes that echo must be alive because again it's just like hammering in every single episode with these two that they have some like really strong connection that we haven't really seen yet like one-on-one like i really would like to see them interacting more with each other instead of just like talking about each other when the other's not in the room you know i agree i would like a like a scene between the two of them that that passes the bechdel test it's not about bellamy or murphy (laughs) um that's just about something completely unrelated and that shows their connection and their relationship in a positive and fun way yeah. well they're the only two of the space crew who grew up as grounders yeah and there's got to be some sort of connection there even though they kind of grew up in very different circumstances yeah um and i i would love to see them like connect on that or explore how they've connected on that in the past but I don't know. We got one season left, so I don't know if it's happening. <laughs> Very limited <laughs> amount of real estate here to yeah. do all the things. They um, did add an extra three episodes, though, next season. So who knows? Maybe it's just going to be like episode after episode of people sitting and talking about their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> just with her notebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to mention how much I love watching Clark take in new information and formulate a new plan and improvise on the fly it's so amazing I just I never get tired of watching her do this and I'm specifically talking about you know she gets thrown like all of these wrenches this episode like every time she formulates a plan there's like another wrinkle that she has to smooth out Mm -hmm. and over and over and over again you just watch her mind work in these really incredible genius ways and it never gets tired like I could watch this forever Clark is truly a master and I'm obsessed with her and I know I say this every episode but you know when the show is over 
she's going to be a character that's going to really stick with me through my oh life. My God, yeah. Like, you know, she's one of my top five, at least, favorite. So... I know. I don't know. She's amazing. She's it, wonderful. It really, like, what a gift. <laughs> what a gift is Clark Griffin. Um, I did want to also call out this little moment here because Clark, as Josephine, gives Murphy a really hard time, you know, about his, like, whining, um, <laughs> which is, like, a very Josephine kind of remark. Yeah. But the way that Eliza delivers it, there's just a little bit of tension here that you can feel it. It's actually coming from Clark. You know, this – she is – Murphy is not forgiven and she is clearly still assessing where his loyalties lie and she's kind of feeling him out and punishing him and delivering a Josephine performance all in one blow and it's really masterful I mean luckily for her Josephine's kind of you know she's a brassiness brattiness (laughs) lines up with how she clearly feels about Murphy right now I'm glad you called out that because there is this like underlying tension where Clark doesn't really know what Murphy's about and what he's going to choose to do because Clark knows that he can't be a prime and have his family. You can't have your cake and eat it too, Murphy. Mm-mm. So Clark is still waiting to see what ultimately he goes with um, before she like really makes up her mind about him. Yeah, that's what exactly what I was about to say is I think she's also figuring out how she feels about yeah. him because he, you know, would have killed her or at it's least said he would have. Really complicated. Yeah, yeah. I really hope that they get a moment at the end of this season to really hash something out like even like a very brief moment i would be okay with yeah well i don't know if we're gonna get i know we got a lot of stuff that we we want next episode that i don't know if we're gonna get but um who knows who knows (laughs) um so i have one more question here why do murphy and amori have to pretend to be the lees because like we already know that the Knolls are okay with new primes like kane um so i wasn't sure why they had to like pretend to be the gods that the gnolls probably know much better than they will know in like one you know session of russell talking about them yeah i was also questioning this and my only theory i can come up with is that in this moment of like turmoil russell feels like introducing two new primes would just tip the scales out of his favor and he's trying to control the situation as much as humanly possible yeah um and so he's just like we can't add another variable to this mix right now yeah i was kind of with that too just like you know the gnolls are rioting and graffitiing the place up so gotta gotta, like gotta put the this rebellion down Raven is still trying to remove Shade Hedda, but she's having a hard time getting past the AI without Becca's notebook. Abby refuses to take more bone marrow from Maddie and instead turns herself into a nightblood so she can donate the doses. Abby then apologizes for her treatment of Jackson earlier this season. Clark comes in and reveals that she's alive, and since Raven can't leave Maddie, Clark goes off to find Riker to help lower the shield. This was such a great scene. Um, I, for one, really appreciated the symmetry of Abby offering up herself to become a nightblood in order to provide the final two doses instead of Maddie, which really, you know, parallels Clark dosing herself and becoming a nightblood in season four. I liked these parallels. I like the sort of um, bookends of this narrative. And yeah, I thought it was really well done. I agree. Love the parallel. I do kind of wish that Abby had said like, I'll bear it so she doesn't have to kind of thing. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe that would have been cheesy. I, I guess that it depends. Been too cheesy. I think it depends on how you did it, but I think it could have just been a really great moment of like 
us seeing that Abby is remembering that moment and that sacrifice that Clark made and like her choosing to be more like Clark, especially now that she thinks that Clark is dead. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all of that is definitely implied, right? Like, you yeah. can see, like, the effort and the thought process behind it on the behalf of the writers. I'm not sure if it's conveyed as well as I would have wanted it to be, like you're saying, but I definitely can see the consideration being put into this scene. That's, like, definitely something they must have talked about in the room. Definitely. I think it's just one it's more just, thing that is, like, slightly rushed. Right, exactly. Um, so do we think that Shade Hedda would actually kill Maddie? Because that does not seem very smart to me, given that there's, like, no one else to take the flame at this point, at least not that Shade Hedda knows. No, I think it's a bluff. Yeah, I, I think, think so, too. I think he's just, like, assessing the room and is like, so all of these people would die for this child. Yeah. And, and I would be like, okay. Okay, Shade Hedda. Right. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> I, he's like, I don't think anyone's going to call me on this bluff. Um, yeah, he's holding all the cards right yeah. now. Um, Abby had some really good moments in this, well, in this whole episode, but particularly in this scene. Um, and I'm actually talking specifically about when she comforts Jackson and tells him, you know, we do better. We turn the page. And this is a sentiment that, you know, I have been struggling with Abby for all of this season, especially. And I feel like this moment is finally earned. You know, this is right after she takes a stand and injects herself and this is like her first action to save others in like a really true genuine way and I feel much better about this scene than I did when they when they first aired it in the trailer because it was cut short and we didn't get the context of her dosing herself before this well it wasn't the trailer it was the uh they released the clip early yeah 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 when they released it the first time I was like I don't know if you have any room to be talking about turning the page Abby like what the fuck but also, now that I've seen this in the context of this scene, I feel much better about it. I feel a little better. Um, I'm still a little con- confused about the central thesis this show is trying to um, have us take away from this scene. Because, yes, Abby turns herself into a nightblood, but she's not answering Jackson's fears, which is that we are showing them basically how to kill more people and snatch more bodies. Um, and Abby, you know says oh yeah well we'll just turn the page and do better and for me I, that that didn't quite land as well as I think it could have because it feels like every time they do something bad that's what they say like we're just gonna do better next time but yeah. like after like a certain number of times like you know, you're not doing better. <laughs> well, right. I mean, like you actually have to like you actually improve. have to do better. Right. <laughs> um, it's like a putting a bandaid on something and just calling it fixed. Uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think for me, what I found satisfying about this scene is the emotional closure that she and Jackson found. Yes. Um, which I definitely wanted, especially knowing that she dies this episode. Yeah. Like we needed to have a moment. I mean, we should have known when she started the apology tour. I but. would. I was just gonna say. <laughs> I mean, she makes a big apology tour here, yeah. and uh, you know, starting with Jackson, and well, really, I think Maddie is where she starts. Yeah, you know, taking. You know, putting her body in front of Maddie and taking well, that bullet. So, and it's not about Maddie. It's about Clark, Clark. in that moment. Yeah. 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 It's both of them and their family mm-hmm. and how much Maddie means to Clark and how much Clark means to Abby and vice versa and all of this stuff. So, yes, I completely agree. I think the it gets a little muddied here in the middle. I think the writers are really trying to force something that doesn't fit with Abby 
because they've just again are treading water with her and so they just keep reinforcing this idea over and over again force the turn the page thing yeah and they just can't seem to quite get past that hump and they now they don't have to um so I agree with you I don't think it's super clean I but I do I do ultimately like the resolution that we get here like I think they could have said something along the lines of like you know we're gonna save our family now and then save the Knowles app like I like you know like one step at a time but like they still plan to you know well right and again dismantle I, feel, this. I feel like that's implied right because she's like well as soon as we like take care of ourselves and then we can help others again the airplane metaphor that i keep using but it's never sp- ex- explicitly stated here i and think we're implying it i don't think that is textually what is there i agree and i think given historically all of the many mistakes that abby has made like we are not in any position to be giving her any benefits of the doubt yeah. where this is concerned. Um, Speaking of Clark and Abby, Clark comes back. She's wearing this baller. Oh, my god, Baller outfit. What the? I What? Can, Can I have this? this outfit? Can she just wear that next season? I want it for <laughs> me. I'm going to show up to work in this outfit in all black with the turtleneck. It's like suede. She looks like such a bam. She looks like a combination of like Neo from the Matrix and like an elf in queen i mean that comes out i'd believe in god (laughs) it's like she came out in this outfit and i was like holy shit um anyway it's really clark this time they have a beautiful reunion and it's incredibly sweet and it's also a solid reminder of like why their relationship was so compelling to watch on this show for so long they have great chemistry as a mother and a daughter and they really sell the complexities and anxieties and the tensions that exist between parenting and and being at someone's child like really well yeah they've had real highs and lows they have um oh god and also this was in its way an apology this is on the apology tour yeah i mean it is and it's also a goodbye it's a goodbye they don't know it but we do and it's a closure yeah you know they get to see each other abby is at peace knowing that like the only way that she could have sacrificed herself is knowing that clark was there to take care of maddie like mm-hmm. this scene had to exist before the rest of the episode could could take place agree agree um i will need and I am I am demanding this and if this doesn't happen I am going to go straight to Jason Rothenberg I'm just gonna knock on his door I and you. riot <laughs> I need a real Clark and Raven reunion at the end of this season like you know a moment where they can like actually come back together as princess mechanic Raven can apologize for being a bitch and Clark can apologize for like hurting her because I think that you know you both are at fault valid clark was more at fault but she tried to like you know make amends before and you like brushed her off you like stabbed her in the gut <laughs> so i need you both to just kiss and make up <laughs> i mean as i said while we were watching the episode i was like is that it you know my feelings on this yeah. i like deeply need a reconciliation televised of course not like this of course um like, given their like huge fallout earlier this season like it's I'm necessary deeply necessary i hope they don't pull a season five where they just kind of like leave everything until next season because i need a, a, like a character arc ending for this plot line now <laughs> i agree i want it so bad especially because we didn't get any kind of closure at the end of last season yeah it feels like this has been like a two season journey without any beats to pause and take stock of what's going on yeah 
Um, and finally, just wanted to call out Abby at the end of this scene tells Clark to go save them all. Dot, dot, dot. Again. Dot, dot, dot. Again. again. <laughs> um, which is just so fucking. I really appreciate when other people appreciate Clark. Yeah. And not enough. It does not happen enough. Or I'll they only appreciate Clark when she's like you know about to do something for them yeah <laughs> but also like what a great way for them what a great ending for them yeah. what a great way for them to say goodbye yeah which is really sad and I also like that it kind of mirrors their kind of first goodbye earlier mm-hmm. this season where um they're Abby or where Clark's about to go down to the planet for the first time and Abby tells her to go save the world and it's just kind of like Abby definitely has appreciated what her daughter has become. Yeah, and she I, is. I love it. Absolutely in awe of the person that she made. And yeah. I'm getting choked up right now. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Clark finds Riker dead in the machine shop and steals his mind drive. Russell comes in and Clark tells him that Echo must have killed Riker and she'll deal with getting his mind drive back. Back in the lab, Russell finds out that Abby turned herself into a nightblood instead of taking the doses from Maddie, and he's not pleased, but accepts it. And out at the radiation fence, Gabriel gets tired of waiting and heads through the fence and into Sanctum before Clark gets the shield down. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that is a lot of stuff. This, this show is just like bam, bam, bam yeah. this episode. Like we were saying, it's very plot heavy. Um, <laughs> first thing I just have to call out is... Oh my god, like the number of things on Clark's to-do list just keeps growing and growing <laughs> and like nobody, every time she goes to someone, they're like, and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, at some point, you're going to have to break down and be like, I need to delegate, right? Yeah. No, no. Clark is a control freak and <laughs> she must do everything herself. Also, who's she going to delegate to? I don't know. To be honest. I don't know. Who but can like, do things as well as Clark? How? Raven can, but Raven's busy. Again, Delegate. (laughs) Uh, Riker, we barely knew ye. Yeah. He is dead. Dead, dead. Well, he's like dead in that body, which is a real bummer. It's a shame. What a waste of a body. Riker, he could still come back. He could. I honestly have no idea. That ship, unless it got trampled in the mob, which is possible. It is very possible. Uh, But the last we saw of it, Priyo was holding on to it with her fingers, so... (laughs) Well, I, I will say I don't know if he's going to come back, but I have a suspicion that he will not. I also have a suspicion that he will not. I think that's done yeah. with. We don't have time for this shit. Nope. <laughs> it's going to be a running theme from now on and all of next season. <laughs> it's like wrapping shit up. Yeah. We don't have time for this. <laughs> um, so is it just me or in this scene where Clark is talking to Russell she feels more like Clark than Josephine. It's like she keeps slipping into Clark and have to like recalibrate and like put in a snide comment. Um, she's just so like very like goal oriented and she's like, you know, you've got so much on your plate. I'll take, I'll handle this. Like that does not sound like a Josephine thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's Clark. Like I said, she's a busy girl. She's got a lot to do. And I don't think she is giving her full due attention to the Josephine pretense as much as she is capable of. Well, she's trying. She's absolutely trying. This is not a. Yeah. This is not me criticizing. I'm, this is. I'm personally criticizing Russell because I keep wondering how is Russell? How does he not suspect anything? Like you know, 
I, I feel like there would be that like nagging thought at the back of your mind of like, what if this isn't true? I think it's like every parent who is he, just hoping against, I mean, like it's his child. He, he wants it to be true. Yeah. He, Russell has a, you know, pretty strong past of just like choosing to believe this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just gets to decide what's true. Yeah. So <laughs> he has absolutely, his relationship with the truth is murky at best. Yeah. Um, and denial is a very strong feature there. So, you know, he's good at that. Um, switching back to the lab. So Raven keeps getting booted by the flame because it's protecting Shade Hedda. And she says this like it's weird. But I'm like wondering, why wouldn't the flame be trying to protect itself? Like, I, I don't understand why that's like a crazy thing. I think what she's referring to is that it's protecting Shade Hedda specifically. Um, well, but she's trying to delete a part of it. So it feels to me, and I'm sure I'm wrong because the show is calling this out specifically yeah but it feels to me like it's more of just like I don't want you to like mess with me in that way so I'm gonna like kick you out like it like it would for any of the other commanders you know yeah but I think what they're trying to convey is that the behavior of this specific code is not in line with the other with the way that Ali's code has operated in the past yeah like Raven's very familiar with this coding and and Becca's you know, kind of like code language. And I guess this is an anomaly, if you will. And <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> that's the second episode in a row I made a pun. Let it be noted uh, that this is just something that Raven has come, hasn't come across before and is unexpected. For me, I'm getting major callbacks to season three when Raven was fighting Allie's AI the first time. Um, and I, I just, I cannot wait for, like, the aha moment when she finally crushes Shade Hedda. Yeah. I'm so ready for it. Raven needs this win, too. She does. Yeah. She super does. And, you know, even though I didn't see it coming. <laughs> How should we say what happened when we were writing oh. the show notes? <laughs> no, let me say this bit okay. first and then we'll explain. <laughs> All right. I know that made no sense. But what I was going to say is, even though I didn't see it coming, on a second watch, it is clear that Russell is already thinking about Abby as a potential host for Simone when she finally reveals that she made herself into a nightblood. You, like, you can see the wheels turning in Russell's head. Now, <laughs> let's explain what happened when we were writing this episode. So when Britt and I <laughs> write show notes, um, we do it simultaneously. And it's just kind of like we're writing down a bunch of thoughts that we have that we want to discuss. Just like little <laughs> notes to ourselves of where yeah. we want to go with each scene. And... Both, like, simultaneously, simultaneously, the two of us were writing. You were writing what you just said, and I was writing. So I'm sure we all realized at this point that... <laughs> I was literally typing out, nobody saw it coming. And Sarah was like, I'm sure we all know what was happening. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I missed it completely. And there are other moments in this episode where I was just bamboozled, and I feel so stupid because it was clearly written on the wall. Well, I mean, it's not stupid. It was just such a fast episode. Episode. It was, it was also hard to like, I was take in stuff. Having a lot of emotions. <laughs> when I'm emoting, I miss some of the obvious stuff. <laughs> but anyway, it was really funny. I mean, I, I definitely could see Russell thinking about making Abby a prime. No, I literally was like, oh, that's interesting. He has a funny look on his face. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> no, what I just mean, I didn't necessarily expect it to happen. I was still very surprised. I mean, when the it fact happened. that you could connect the dots from like, oh, Abby's a nightblood. Russell is looking at her. Gee, I wonder what that could mean. And like produce, you know, a very plausible option. For me, I was like literally watching the show and I'm like, 
I'm very, very flustered by what's <laughs> happening on the screen. <laughs> I'm a professional podcaster. I watch TV for fun. Um, switching to my man Gabriel, who's still alive as of this episode. He's, he's still he's still going, still going strong. Um, how might this episode have changed if Gabriel had just waded the frickin' fence like he was supposed to? Like Gabriel doesn't save anyone in this episode, and he ends up hurting more things than he would have if he just stayed put. You know what I mean? Because the reason yeah, that they have to rush through suspected the bomb uh, and the red sun toxin scare was fake was because Gabriel was there. Right. If Gabriel had not been there or if Gabriel also had not been caught because he gets himself caught, you know, like this could have gone much differently, much smoother. Oh, for sure. So it's like, Gabriel, just sit down. You yeah. are not a planner, clearly. You leave it up to Clark. Bellamy can be her backup. And you can just kind of come in later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this is really what I think it is, is that he has just been sitting on his ass doing nothing for so long. 70 years. Um, And the years of like inaction and distance have just finally caught up to him. And, you know, being this close to the situation, I just don't think he could wait another second. I you get know? that, but it's like, dude, you made it worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, he definitely you made it worse. no one. <laughs> I did like what he says to Bellamy, though. He says, unlike you, I can't sacrifice the few to save the many. Yes. Which I'm not sure if that's true. I mean, it definitely has not been true in the past because, you know, he's definitely been sacrificing a few people. Um, but I think, like, sitting on your butt out in the forest while this happens is also not, like, saving anyone, you know? Well, sure. Like, but you're, you're, you're not wanting to sacrifice your family, um, and I get that. But, you know, maybe you have to in this situation. Yeah, I think he's been very, feeling very guilty about the lack of things that he could have prevented but didn't. Or at least could have tried to prevent. Yeah. And faced with this, you know, urgency of the situation, he just, you know, was like a, he's just like a gunshot. He just took off. Yeah. Well, <sighs> probably not the wisest choice, but not great, buddy. Still love you though, boo. <laughs> Um, Priya is in the tavern directing Blythan and Jay with Echo, Gaia, and Miller hiding just out of sight when Clark comes in. Clark tells her that Riker won't kill Echo and asks Priya for her help, but before they can leave, Echo jumps out and attacks, and she realizes Clark is still alive when Clark helps her. Then Clark reveals their plan. Okay. So first off, damn, like Blythan and Jay have nerves of steel because they're able to sit there, not just sit there, but like be ordered around by this woman who murdered their daughter and then body snatched her body. You know, like that is, that is rough. Yeah. And they and really keep it together. They do. Except for the fact, I will say you can see Jay is struggling a oh, little yeah. bit here. And then Blythan comes in for the win. And it's just like, damn lady, like you are strong as fuck. Yeah. Holy shit. Super impressive. Um, and also, it's just so tragic. It is. Uh, also, wanted- I miss Delilah. <laughs> I, I know. Poor Delilah, that man. Sucks, man. That's really <laughs> shitty. Um, I did want to say, like, holy shit. The love and the faith and the, like, synchronicity between Echo and Clark in this scene is beautiful. This was my favorite reunion. Guys. I was glowing. <laughs> like, it was so good. I 
loved their hug. I was like grinning ear to ear. It made me so happy. I mean, like just the fact that like Echo knew. Yeah. She knew the second that Josephine lied about Riker's state being asleep and not dead. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I knew it. And then she says that and she's like, I knew it. And I was like, you did. You did. You, you knew it. Two powerful women. Uh, it was so great. <laughs> Speaking of passing the Bechdel test, yeah. this does. Well, very briefly. <laughs> it does. It counts. It does very briefly. And then Bellamy's brought back into well, it. Well, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And I will say, you know, they are super in sync. You know, Clark doesn't even have to explain her plan in order for Echo to get it. Like, she knows Bellamy is waiting yeah. with the cavalry, which is super cute. Yep. Abby goes to Raven and apologizes, truly this time, for hurting her. She promises she never will again, and Raven forgives her. Russell comes in with the newest primes, Daniel and Kaylee, who are actually Amori and Murphy. Russell then calls Abby over and tells her he believed her when she said she'd kill him, so he has to get rid of her first. Before Abby can do much more than tell Raven and Jackson to stand down, Russell injects her with the host serum, and Abby dies. Yes, she does. So that happens. R.I.P. Abby. Yeah. Um, before we get into it all, I just want to note that Maddie is looking deathly white in this scene. Not looking good. We're going to have to fix her up real quick. Like uh, next episode, maybe? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get into the Abby of it all. Um, despite this being rushed, which it is, and we can talk about that, I do really appreciate that they gave... Raven and Abby this moment of true reconciliation so that Raven gets the closure she needs before Abby dies. Yeah. I think that's really important and I appreciate they doing this. Well, and Abby gets the closure she needs too. I think that was kind of like the last person that she really had to make amends with. Yeah. And so when she dies, like she's dying with a free conscience. Exactly. Conscience. Conscience. Yeah. Yes. You know, and Abby genuinely apologizes to Raven and admits her wrongdoing over the past two seasons. Again, it's been a long time coming. And she also gives Raven this beautiful gift and recognizes her as her family. She says, you know, you may not be my daughter, but you're my family. And that is something that Raven has always wanted, has always felt between them, but then felt so deeply betrayed by this. I I just, this was like the the perfect goodbye for them and I, I felt it was a really really well done it was wonderful and then Raven had to watch someone else she died or loved die so that was that was rough that's um, not great but I did like that Raven says it's not always fair how I judged you because I think it really just shows that the the show has realized I don't know if they've realized the flaws in Raven's characterization or and, and like I mean in the last six seasons kind of thing or if they have just noticed that's how she's characterized and like decided to do something about it mm-hmm. to change it um, but whatever they did they are taking Raven in a new direction I think she's going to be much more forgiving and much less like she's going to take the moral high ground less or maybe when I say take the moral high ground less I mean she's not going to judge people as yeah harshly that's exactly what I was just gonna if say they don't measure up to her standards I think she's just moving forward going to be much less judgmental yeah um and I'm for one as I have stated many times this season am all for that yeah and I really love that even though this was really Abby's apology tour it allowed Raven a moment of vulnerability and self-reflection so that she can take stock of of the mistakes that she has made because she's also not perfect she's a human um and And being a human sucks sometimes as raven as raven says and it was beautiful it was great yeah i 
I will say it might not have been exactly the arc I would have chosen for Raven. Same. I still feel like Raven needed to like experience that that true moment of a hard choice that Clark has had to do so many times to like truly be able to understand and empathize. Um, and it does not look like that's what she's doing. Although we haven't seen last episode, so we don't know. We haven't. Um, but I I like this better than where she started. So I guess that's all I can ask for. <laughs> yeah. And I also think if they're not, if they were never going to put Raven in that position, because like she does fulfill a certain function within the show and being the person to pull the lever may not ever be in the cards for her. Mm-hmm. Then at least I like the idea of her evolving as a character into someone who can provide the kind of counsel and an advisement without the judgment. Yeah. Um, and sort of take the next step in her progression as a character, even if that doesn't mean that she necessarily has to like move into a totally different role. I agree. Abby tells Murphy that she um, understands how afraid he is. Betraying his friends isn't the answer. And like this is such a far cry from how she treated him last episode when she or not I guess it was two episodes ago when she slapped him yeah um and I kind of wish because you know Abby and Murphy have always had an interesting relationship Abby has understood Murphy in ways that I think Murphy was not used to being understood like a mom like a mom sort of I don't I wouldn't consider Abby like acting super motherly toward him but I don't know she just she just got him and didn't necessarily blame him for the things that he blamed himself for I think there was a level of like maternal instinct there that let her see some of his flaws and his softness that he was hiding under all of his hard edges in a way that his like peers weren't totally not able to interpret um I am a little sad that this was like their last interaction. I feel less good about this than I do about her and Jackson and her and Raven or her and Clark, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I I think this is the best they could do if they were going to kill her right now. Um, At least she's, you know, trying to talk to him in a way that shows that she like understands where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, So maybe that's all we can ask for. Yeah, it's definitely something. Um, But so she she dies. Yeah. Um, And I personally am shocked that they actually did it. I I was very I did not think there were going to be any other major deaths this season from like our characters because we already had um, Shaw die at the beginning of the season. We had Marcus Kane die uh, the middle of the season. I just felt like you know, like one pretty big character right there. Um, Dioza is wherever the hell Dioza went. <laughs> Dioza's not, not dead. She's, of course she's not dead. She's Dioza. <laughs> but she and the anomaly are training therapy tricks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess I just didn't think that they were going to go that extra step. And I'm not unhappy that they did. No, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I do want to talk about this a little bit more because... I was also, I mean, clearly flabbergasted that they killed her. I did not see this coming at all. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I've been thinking about this since it aired, and something has been really bothering me, and I could not put my finger on it. Bothering it, you about Abby dying? Yeah. Um, even though I agree it was her time, I fa- finally figured it out, and it was actually something that you said about 
Avengers Endgame um, a long, long time ago, which, mm-hmm. spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Endgame, I'm sorry, but what are you doing? Uh, it was the biggest cultural event of 2019. I'm so. really curious about what I said. I know. I haven't <laughs> told you this yet. I was going to wait to just, like, get, deliver it That's on great. air. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Live. But what you said at the end of it is because, so, Natasha, um, Black Widow, and what's his face? The Arrow dude. <sighs> Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner, but what's his, <laughs> his name, character's name? I can't name? remember. Archer. I don't um, know. I hate him. But Hawk, Hawkeye. <laughs> there you go. So Hawkeye and Black Widow have to go, and one of them has to die in order to get the Soul Stone. And at the time, you had said something, you know, like, why is it that, Na- that Natasha, Black Widow's death, happens in the middle of this movie with like no pomp or circumstance and then meanwhile at the end of the movie Tony Stark dies and gets this like giant fucking funeral and like all of this grief and mourning and aplomb and all of this stuff it's totally sexist I don't understand what the fuck that totally did a disservice to Black Widow and that's kind of how I feel a little bit about Kane and Abby Kane got this beautiful episode to sort of work out all of our kinks and stuff it was a really kane centric episode it was his death was like the last thing it was the final bit uh the most dramatic moment of the episode and abby's death is just kind of buried in the middle of this plot heavy like action packed episode without really any circumstance or moment to pause on it or reflect i mean kane got this like glorious goodbye yeah speech he got to give a speech he got a speech he got like you know you got to sit with it you got to reflect and abby's death is like oh she's dead okay moving on chop chop and it's kind of bothering me well I almost forgot to put this in. Actually, I did forget to put this in the show notes, but I do have a question. Is Abby really dead? Okay, that's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) I am not sure. So that is the one thing that's giving me pause is the fact that they killed her in the middle of this episode. And it was given like so little pomp and circumstance. Attention, exactly. Um, However, I'm about 90% sure she's dead. I think the show just like didn't know what to do with her anymore. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like, I, I truly loved this scene and I, I think it did accomplish like a lot of the personal issues that I had with it, with Abby this season. And I'm, I'm glad that they're now resolved in a way that's like satisfying yeah. so we can move on. But it was just too fast. It was really fast. And I, the only reason why I do think she is ultimately dead for good is because she did this massive apology to her. Yeah. And I don't think they would have given her all of these beats to resolve all of these issues if she was going to come back. Probably not. Probably there was not. the moment we saw in the trailer. Yes. Where Clark says to Simone, mom. Yeah. In like a way that seems like she's talking to Abby. That's probably out of context yeah I know exactly this, the moment you're talking about because I also was like wait what's going on but like even when Simone walked in there and maybe it's just because no offense to what's the actress's name who plays Abby oh Paige Turco yes no offense to Paige Turco but I'm not getting Simone vibes from her acting and no. I don't know why exactly that is and maybe like next episode that will change I don't know but I was having a hard time really connecting her with what um, the other actress did who played Simone um, because I loved her so much, you know? She was great. Um, So I was kind of like, 
is this fake? But also, I don't really think it's fake. I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced. I would not be shocked if she's not dead. Like, this show has done weirder things. Yeah, I wouldn't know how she wouldn't be dead because her and Raven, that was like a huge plot point of them getting rid of the neural, the neural mesh. mesh. Sure. Um, so, but, you know, who knows, honestly? Yep. Who knows? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm really not sure. But I think for the purposes of this episode and what we know now, I am dissatisfied with, comparatively speaking, the way they treated Kane's death versus Abby's death. Yeah. I just am. I I mean, I, I feel that. I always felt that. I mean, I don't hate this scene. No, I, I love this, this scene. scene. I, I enjoy this scene. I just felt like I, I needed to marinate with it a little bit more. But it just, like, this episode was so fast that it was, like, it happened. And then, like, we were past. And we were, like, on to other things, So you know? many things. Like, we're not even halfway through this episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did like that Abby's life, like, literally flashes before her eyes. That we got me. We saw baby Clark and, like, little girl Clark with their little curls. Little girl Clark killed me. I was a blubbering mess. That's all you need to do is just flash a tiny toddler in front of my face and I'm going to cry. And we saw Jake and Kane, which I yeah. liked. Yeah. Her two loves. And uh, yeah, I mean, like if, if this is the end, like that is, you know, how I would want to go out is protecting the people I love and knowing that my daughter was out there kicking butt and taking names. And saving the world. And saving the world again. Yeah. And just to reiterate, like I, I really do appreciate that the show realized that they had hit a dead end with Abby Mm -hmm. and then were also like brave enough to let that character go. Yeah. And say goodbye. It was time. It was a little rough. I personally think how it happened this season, I would have chosen a a different arc for Abby. Um, But at least they wrapped up a lot of the issues that I was just so frustrated with this season. Yeah. You know and I mean? like, you know, like we had said, there's nowhere to go from here yeah. for her. They, they had r- literally reached the end of their rope. I mean, even at the beginning of the season, I think we had said that like Clark and Abby, like, I don't feel like there's any development left there for no. them. Like, I think that is, that should be it. And that was like the most nutrient rich relationship for Abby. Like her whole purpose on the show is to be Clark's mother yeah. as Clark being the main character. Like, if you're not fulfilling your primary role, what else is there what else for you? Is there? Yeah. So anyway, well, that, that happened. Say, We're bye. moving on. Bye, unless Abby. she's not dead, but she probably's dead. Probably dead. <laughs> Gabriel drops the bomb into the sanctum pond and is then captured. He's brought to Russell, and they finally confront each other. Gabriel pleads with Russell one last time to stop killing people, but Russell is disgusted by him. Suddenly, the red sun toxin alarm goes off, but Russell isn't fooled. He knows it's no coincidence that it's happening now, just as Gabriel has arrived after 70 years. So Gabriel, like, just allows himself to get captured. He just, like, throws back his hood and is like, here I am. Come get me. Um, so basically, he's, again, just screwing over the plan right and left. But, like, why exactly... Is he wanting to get captured? Is it because he wants to talk to Russell? Is it because he wants to, like, ultimately kill Russell? Yeah, I think I think he thought he was, like, gonna talk Russell out of shit. Like, really, though? I think he, I think he thought that. I have a hard time believing Gabriel's that naive. I don't think he's naive. I mean, like, he is naive, but I also think he's just desperate. Yeah. I mean, I think he is, like, again, not thinking clearly. 
I think he was going to try, but I also think he knew it wasn't going to work and that he was going to have to kill Russell. But then he realizes that he can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I think he thought he could. <laughs> well, he was wrong. He, he, was, <laughs> he was very wrong. wrong. <laughs> so when Gabriel is setting the bomb and gets himself arrested, there is some really beautiful but creepy music playing, which was very reminiscent to, like, the Lord of the Rings hymn yeah. and also choral hymns that you hear. I was very confused. I was like, what show are we watching? Did we slip into, like, Lord of the Rings for a second? I mean, when can we... That was beautiful. That was beautiful, right? Oh, my God. That was my... I uh... can't believe you just did that. <laughs> On the po- You're being recorded right now. <laughs> People are going to listen to that. Well... You get my beautiful voice I mean, to sing you to sleep. Barely an episode goes by without a Lord of the Rings re- reference, so this didn't feel like totally out of left field, but it was very striking. Remember when Octavia was I Aragorn? I do remember when <laughs> Octavia was Aragorn. the worst game. I remember when Octavia was Aragorn. That was not subtle. Oh, and the Assassinhood. That was also Aragorn. That whole season. <laughs> Speaking of the Assassinhood, I really like the juxtaposition of Gabriel being called, you know, the demon, but he's wearing this robe, this hood, if you will. And he looks like some kind of like holy friar. He looks like a, you know, he's wearing one of those outfits yeah. for a, like a monastery. He's just very pure and um, and angelic like mm-hmm. for him. And also matches Octavia's assassinhood from season four. Do you think Octavia's kept her assassinhood this long? Or do you think she's just told him about it? And he was like, I want one. Oh, no. I think she was like, I had a great hood. <laughs> You should get one of those. And he's like, I think I will. Oh, my God. They would be such a couple in their assassin hoods. It would break people. <laughs> they would walk around and people would lose their mind. I don't know. I, I truly feel like Octavia has, like, bequeathed her assassin hood to him. Even if it's just in a spiritual sense. Yeah. And even I if can, he, like, really fails at I it. think this is more in line with, like, an angelic hood rather than an assassin hood. <laughs> but they do. They make a fine pair. I mean, I personally think Russell came in here to assassinate. So he just turned out. You mean you know, Gabriel came in here to assassinate Russell? Well, technically, I think Russell also came in here to assassinate Gabriel. <laughs> but yes, I did mean Gabriel. <laughs> so assassinations happening all over yes. the place. Um, and I get that Gabriel has to explain to like every single person that he didn't want to body snatch Xavier. Yeah. But like, I'm getting sick of having to listen to him explain it again and again and again to like every person we meet. <laughs> well, I think this was the last time. So I think probably we're, we're yes. done now. <laughs> I think but we've, we've heard it like four times. It's now. true. It's a lot of retelling. <laughs> um, in their argument, Gabriel has this really great line that I wanted to call out where he tells Russell, truly, you can see that without death, life is meaningless, which is just a perfect summation of everything we've been saying this whole season about the preciousness of life and you know, how out of touch the primes are with their own humanity. I thought this line was brilliant. I loved it. Um, Agreed. And I I definitely think that that has been kind of a sentiment that's been portrayed this whole season. Yeah. Um, I also loved the line uh, that Gabriel said, there is nothing more powerful than the truth. And then Russell says, your wrong faith is. Yeah. Um, I have so many feelings about this line and about like the line between truth and faith and whether they're even on the same parallel plane. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, they sort of intersect each other. Well, I took a class in college um, about the nature of truth. 
This was a class that I had to take. I was just going to ask. Was it, yeah, this required? <laughs> it was required. I got a scholarship to study abroad and we had to take this like global scholar class before we did it, which was kind of ridiculous because like the cost of the class was basically the same as like the scholarship. Anyway, the, the topic changed every year and our year it was about the concept of truth um, and how truth isn't necessarily facts like they're not the same thing sure like one person's truth can be another person's you know something that's completely false to them yeah i think truth is subjective sure um faith is also subjective in many different ways um and i think that they don't line up i don't think you can like prove that faith is true because then it's no longer faith it would right. like cancel each other out it like negates the purpose and the like action of faith yeah so i i just really loved this line here and like it it has like such a dark connotation but then also such a light one at the same time of like you know first off you can choose your reality you get to choose what you believe and that is something that you know is different for every single person but it's power that we all have within ourselves yeah um but then it also has that that dark line of like sometimes people believe things even when opposite fa facts of the opposite nature um are presented they will kind of brush them aside um and they just refuse to see you know they refuse to see any validity in another person's opinion and i think that is a big issue that we currently have and not just currently but like have always had that's always been the the um interplay between like faith and religion and secularism in many different ways um, I'm rambling here, but no, please keep going. I'm fascinated by this. I love it. I, I don't even know where I'm going at this point, but just like the, the, the concept of faith and truth, they're not opposites. Um, like you, you can't like, you know no, what I mean? Sure. I, I think I see what you're saying. It's it, there's, they're, it, they're not in direct opposition like, to each like other. Truth is in its own way. Faith. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, and I love this line too. And I, I think it's really important to, sort of break down and interrogate what what the differences and similarities of truth and faith are in a season where we are we are portraying people of faith mm -hmm. and you don't want to brush them too wide a brush in any one direction so i like this idea of you know facing your personal truths with general truths with any kind of truth um and how that does affect your personal faith versus like a faith that belongs to many people um it's it's really relevant and not just the show but in what you know in our society right now which is what this show does best yeah i almost feel like this line wasn't giving given enough like power because it was like such a smack in the face of just like whoa that is a great line yeah. <laughs> that um Sometimes but there are nuggets in there. I don't know. Yeah, Gabriel and Russell, they they really bring them out. They had a lot of great stuff they in this do. scene. They do. I mean, it's funny because they're like two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah, for sure. And I love I love when you have these two characters who are have so much history together and so much baggage and ultimately have very similar goals but perceive things in such dramatically different ways. Like those are my favorite kinds of character like mm -hmm. contrasts. They're just fascinating, endlessly fascinating. And we've been waiting all season for Gabriel and Russell to, like, come together and face off. The um, showdown. The showdown of it's the century. high noon in here. <laughs> 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 
dun, dun, dun. Oh my God, that's the second time that you have <laughs> done this. What is wrong with you? We're getting close to the end of the season. Get loopy, guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I, I feel like Gabriel still has a lot of love there for Russell. Like, yes. he, I mean, like in the same way that I'm not entirely sure Russell has for him or at least if he does, I think Russell, I think the love has like soured to hate, which are, you know, very similar. They are very similar. Fine like, they're line. both very strong emotions. Yeah. Um, linked together. And they're not opposites. Like the opposite of love and hate is indifference. Sure. Um, so love and hate are also two sides of the same coin. So, you know, Gabriel loves him and Russell hates him. And it's just, it's a lot, guys. Yeah, there's a lot of feelings here. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know that Gabriel is like all kumbaya at this point. And I, I appreciate that. But like, really, could you just do everybody a favor and just kill Russell already? Like, please. It's, You're ultimately, it's saving more people. It's time. He has lived long enough. <laughs> so dumb. As the red sun toxin alarm sounds off too early, thank you, Gabriel, <laughs> Clark wakes up Priya to help them take down the shield, threatening Riker's chip if she doesn't. Gabriel isn't able to kill Russell, so Russell orders him to be tied up and then goes outside to reassure the Knolls that there's nothing wrong. Suddenly, the shield is taken down, and Bellamy, Octavia, and the children all rush into Sanctum. So... The jury's out for me. I'm not sure if I should have my podcasting card revoked or not, because it was not until this second, this late in the episode, that I finally understood what was going on and that Abby is now Simone. This is the point. I'm very confused about what you thought had I wasn't thinking to Abby. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, and I was just on along the for the journey, not like a podcaster, was not thinking at all. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe you should get a different partner here because like I clearly miss a lot of stuff happening for me. Well, that is what I'm here for. Yeah. So I was, I like was sitting, you guys, I was flabbergasted at this point. point. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) Um, so what, when was your, your first clue? It was, it was when Russell was like, go get my wife. And I was like, like, ah, (gasps) jaw dropped. (laughs) Oh my God. I did not notice. It was like 40 minutes into the episode. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you finally clued in and didn't have to wait until Clark, you know, saw. No, no. I I gave it like a solid four minutes before (laughs) Clark showed up. (laughs) Um, It was kind of funny that Priya like even tries to resist because like, they have your, like, robot son there, you know? I thought it was weird, too. Like, I, I really thought she was just, like, going to go right along with yeah, it. Of course. But, like, she called their bluff. Like, as if they weren't going to just smash him into a smithereens. I mean, like, if they did, they'd have nothing to hold over her. So I get that. But also, like, come on, Bria. No, I, <laughs> I, I felt like that was a misstep. That seemed dumb. I really think they just wanted to give Clark a mallet. <laughs> <laughs> Give her that, like, hot new look for the episode. Yeah, yeah. there was, like, some behind-the-scenes photos of her, like, swinging it around. <laughs> they were like, yes. yes. That's a visual I <laughs> we want. We are writing that in right now. <laughs> um, Russell tells Gabriel that he never had the stomach to be a god, and I think that's just a really fascinating line that the idea, like, to be a god, you have to be 
heartless and ruthless yeah um which i hope isn't true if there is a god out there you could be nice that's okay (laughs) all evidence to the contrary so far if you believe in a god um okay I want to talk about the costumes for a second. Okay. I'm going to go on like a mini tiny tirade. So I'm just going to like uh, go get something to eat. I'll be back. Well, actually, I would love your opinion on okay. this <laughs> from like a layman as a layman myself who uh-huh. like has like an, a special interest in this. But like so. OK, so normally the costumes, I love them. I think the costume design on this show is brilliant and I could go on and on and on and on and on about why I think they are so talented and glorious and deserve all the Emmys. However, I'm going to like just take a quick break from that love fest and say that I think in this particular episode they went a little too far with the costumes I think they were a little too over the top and like a little too cheesy and sorry they look cheap they do they look cheap um with the exception I will say I loved Murphy's matching tattoo to Amori that was a beautiful detail that I appreciate that's not costume that's makeup which is different However, getting back to my original point, I just think that, like, Abby's look in particular, uh, her clothes and, like, Murphy's clothes, it just, it looks like something out of the Hunger Games, which is, like, a lampoon of, like, high fashion. It just doesn't quite fit in this world. Like, Simone's outfits were beautiful, but they were understated and, like, regal in their sort of mutedness. And, like, Abby walks out here with, like, a fully decked out pearl-covered dress and a chiffon flurry robe with flourishes all over it with a pattern and these, like, giant share earrings. And there's just, like, that's bad character work because that doesn't look like Simone. It doesn't look like something Simone would wear. I definitely agree. I didn't like Abby's dress. I thought it looked ridiculous. And Um, Maury's dress looked fantastic. So I was going to say, Amori's dress, actually, I'm not sure if it's the exact same one that Kaylee wore when she died, but it was, like, very, very close. close. Um, so I think that's what they were going for there. Yeah. I honestly could not tell you a single thing Murphy was wearing, but he I did. He was wearing, like, a velour jacket. Sorry, I can tell you. Okay, but. He was, like, wearing this, like, velour jacket with <laughs> okay. these, like, gold embellishments and, like, a lots of eyeliner and guy liner. I was going to say. I loved the guy liner. <laughs> guy liner is fine. Again, I do not take issue with the makeup, but with the costumes. These gods are, like, very metro, so I just kind of, like, appreciate this, like, vibe. Yeah, it's not but a commentary on the metro No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying, that's why I'm saying I loved the guy liner. I loved the tattoo. Um, that all was great. I really didn't look past Murphy's face, so. Yeah, his outfit was fine. But I'm it, with you on Abby's, It Simone. felt a little, like, 70s rocker chic, which, like, I think is what they were going for, but, like, I don't know if that's the character. I don't know. There was like some weird character things there that I'm not sure I agree with. You want to know what probably was my favorite moment of the episode? What was it? (laughs) (laughs) Maury and Murphy walk in and like Murphy kisses her hand and Gabriel's like, you know they're brother and sister, right? And then they just like... (laughs) And they just like slowly release their hands and are just like... uh, (laughs) Rethinking this immortality thing. Sorry. Not going to work for me. I loved it so much. <laughs> and then just to bring this all back down and ground this a little bit, I love that Gabriel says to Murphy, you know, to forget all you have to do is give up your soul, which is such a great line and puts such a fine point on like all the things we've been saying for Murphy this season, which is just like, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to save your own skin? True. And then also literally, 
to become immortal in this way, you might actually be giving up your soul. Your soul, if you have a soul, might be going to hell, whereas your mind still lives on. Still harping on this, I see. Well, I'm just like trying to logic this through. I mean, I don't know personally if I believe in a soul, but it seems like Murphy does. So. It does. It does seem that way. Um, and then last, my second favorite moment of the oh, show. So good. Uh, Octavia and Bellamy, like when the um, shield is finally taken down, Bellamy's like, I told you so. And Octavia for a second is like so offended. And then she realizes that he's teasing her. And then she kind of like nudges him. She like shoves in a, him. Like in a very sibling way. And I was just like, oh my God, I miss this yeah, so much. They're like 12 years old again. Yeah. It was delightful. It was, it was like everything I have ever wanted for them. I want him to be able to tease her and I want her to have a sense of humor about it. And I want them to have a shared, you know, history that they feel comfortable with each other and can play like yeah they're just they're slowly 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 starting to like open up with each other again it's great and it's wonderful beautiful a plus (laughs) bellamy and echo reunite and clark tells them their plan has failed and they've lost their distraction so to create a new one bellamy takes priya and forces her to tell the crowd of gnolls that the primes are not gods they've just been body snatching so they can live forever Russell can tell he's losing his people, so he releases his own bombs of red sun toxin, the quote-unquote adjustment protocol that we've Mm. heard so much about, hoping that the believers will all kill off the non-believers. Priya is killed by Blythe Anne, and as Clark and Gaia run back to the palace, Bellamy and the rest of the crew lock themselves in a building. So, first and foremost, we get this Becco reunion. They they come together and they hug, and I just, it feels icky. Like, it feels wrong and... Just having seen the passion of which the nature you can attribute whatever you want in between Bellamy and Clark, this whole past five episodes or whatever, four episodes. A lot of episodes. This whole season. It's really long. I just, it feels really wrong and icky and I don't like it. It feels like emotional cheating. Yes. Um, it does which feel. We, we've kind we've of talked like, about said before. I don't think we've ever used it in those words though, but that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, which is honestly, in my opinion, worse, worse. than like physical cheating. Neither are great. No, but I would take physical cheating over emotional cheating because like samezies. Emotion is just like you're like not giving the other person what they need as a person. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like it's actually like a deeper cut. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So um, anyway, I just had to say that even though I, I am on Team Echo, Team Becco, not here for anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's like, as they're reunion, let's say reunioning, as they're reuniting um, and Echo's hugging Bellamy, like the focus of that reunion is on Bellamy staring at Clark and Clark staring at Bellamy. Which is a signature move. Yes, this it is. This is the fourth time on this show that they have done that with them. Bellamy is always hugging someone and looking at Clark. That's like his signature MO. When are the other times? He's I remember done the- it with Octavia twice and he did it with... Um, when did he do it with Octavia twice? Echo. I remember the one time he did it um, when they were in Mount Weather. They did it. He did it with her in Mount Weather. I thought he did it with her back at the Ark. Arcadia. I don't know. That was outside. And then he also did it with Echo once. Anyway, all I'm saying is like, this is a lot. Like they do this a lot. And it's just always, they never focus it on the people that Bellamy's hugging. It's always him and Clark, which again, interesting choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. We'll see where that goes since we have one more season left. (laughs) And now they're married. They are married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's interesting that now that Bellamy has both of his girlfriends safe and sound, you know, he can get back on the like doing better, better wagon that he's like so blatantly fallen off of for the last couple of episodes. (laughs) Bellamy was like, remember, we're not here to kill. We're here to liberate. And I was like, Layla's face was like, I'm sorry. Who are you? (laughs) What have you done with the Bellamy that I know? I literally just watched an episode one episode ago where you're like, kill them all. Burn them. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to talk about this Bellamy. I should have said this above too, but the way that like Clark was looking at Bellamy while he was like doing a speeching thing. Yes. It was just like, she's like so in awe of him. And like he's in his element, obviously talking to the people. That is like who Bellamy is yeah. at his at his heart. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't know what this means, guys. But yeah, I mean, I think it's important because he thinks of her and talks about her like she's a superhero. And I think that is equally true of Clark. Like she yeah. talks and looks at him and is in awe of him. Like he is supernatural in some ways. Like yeah. they are constantly in awe of one another and I am constantly in awe of how this show is just dis- <laughs> consistently disappointing me it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's fine <laughs> I'm fine um moving on so Russell's or should I say Chekhov's bomb goes off just one episode later yes uh we talked about this literally last week um and I just I do appreciate the economy of writing and the pacing that the writers do where they they do not saturate in things they do not let things collect any dust you know this the stone keeps a rolling no moss collected here (laughs) and I I just like it I like that you know they they lay something out and then they deliver it like right away unless they are the evil people eating worms from last season in which case we kept thinking they were going to use them and then it never happened I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, unless it's Bellamy and Clark. Well, <laughs> I was like, we can't keep going back there. That gun has been on the wall for a long freaking time. That's like an inch of dust on that gun. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get some Clorox wipes. Um, so I really thought we were heading toward no more primes. Like this episode, at least at the beginning of this episode, we had Russell, we had Priya, and that seemed to be it. Oh, and I guess in Gabriel too. Um, and I was just thinking like, are we going to end this season just like killing off them all? But I feel like we're playing like prime whack-a-mole here because it's like, we just like whack one down like Priya, but then Russell brings back like five more, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're hard to kill those primes. Can't keep a good prime down. No, you cannot. <laughs> it's almost like they're immortal. It's also just kind of shocking that um, the writers killed Jade and barely anyone noticed. Another thing I didn't notice. Didn't notice this. Twice. You didn't notice it both times we watched the episode. Again, I am ashamed. I wrote that in the show notes and she was like, what? Jade I is really dead? was not checked in. What yeah. Was I? I was drunk. Oh, you were. <laughs> we did rewatch this episode when Britt had had a few too many. <laughs> I went to karaoke with my coworkers and we sang Taylor Swift for three hours. And then I came home and was like, let's podcast. <laughs> and I was drunk. That's why I didn't notice anything. Well, I feel better now. Um, but I think you're excused because barely anyone noticed that Jay died and was replaced with, I think it's Miranda's daughter, Jasmine. Um, 
Jade is dead. And I think this was a complete waste of a character. Oh my God. What a disservice. Like how she's been in so many episodes. She's just been like there. She's been in more episodes than some of like the main characters. She's been wallpaper. Wait, I've said that before on this show. Who else was I saying was like wallpaper? Riley. No, he's not wallpaper. He's like a slab of paint on the wall (laughs) that just won't go away. He's a stain. He's a stain. (laughs) (laughs) He's like someone like threw a a plate at the wall and it's just like a food stain that's dripping down. Like, yeah, he's a plate of spaghetti. Yeah. Um, I feel like I kept saying this about Gaia in the beginning, where I kept being like, I want more from Gaia. I want her to do something. She's just there. And then they started to, like, do a little bit more with her. But this is how I feel about Jade. There, She is just wallpaper in the background for I them. I have a hard time believing you ever thought Gaia was wallpaper. If anyone can give us a timestamp for that, yeah, please someone do. Someone go back and do some research um, on when I said someone else was a wallpaper. I don't feel like it would have been Gaia. Maybe not. Gaia had a, an interesting role, even in season four. Yeah, and she, that actress, Tati Gabriel, is so is good, so good yeah. that she, she's, like, captivating. I mean, yeah. You can't take your eyes off of her. Speaking- anyway... Then unfortunately, oh. Jade does not. I was going to speaking of captivating, because this was like a really nice transition. Um, I'm really, really glad that Blyvan got the chance to like shiv Priya because like Priya had it coming. Fuck yes. But I really, really loved that actress, Ashley Lathorpe. I think she like had so much like charisma and presence and she was so great as both Delilah and Priya. And it sucks that she's dead because she was awesome and I want her in more things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, she had it coming. I'm glad she's dead. Oh, yeah. Priya had it coming. But Ashley Lathorpe. No, Ashley Lathorpe will have a long and, <laughs> and great, glorious career, I am sure. Um, I do find it really interesting that Miller snaps so aggressively at Octavia. You know, he was the one who was, like, one of Blood Rain's most diehard supporters. And he's just like, I'm not taking any more orders from you. Which I think speaks more to Miller's state of mind and his, like, reconciliation with himself and his guilt over this then it speaks to octavia oh for sure um i just thought i wanted to call that out because i thought that was really interesting that they put that in there displacement (laughs) projection i mean to be fair octavia did order him to do some like crazy things but um miller is the one who chose to do them so (laughs) self-responsibility if anyone should have had the whole said by every war criminal ever speech it should have been been Miller. miller But it, oh, Miller got his own thing. He did. He, did. he had his he had his moment with Gaia, which I loved. So. It was great. It was Moving great. on, Miller, Feeling you are like back in my good graces. You are already. redeemed. Yeah, my little thief. <laughs> I, I declare you redeemed. Yes. <laughs> um, you can't see, but she just made a knighting. Oh uh, yeah, I just knighted with her him. Sword redeemed. Um, <laughs> I did also want to call out that even amidst a mob, a drug-induced mob, you know, Bellamy's still standing here, being like, "We don't hurt these guys." He's just. Well, I'm just, glad. Well, of course, but like, it's I, very it's, hypocritical. It is hypocritical from where he was last episode. Um, but it is definitely more in line with where he was pretty much every other episode yeah. this season. I so. think this is in general like the Bellamy that we have come to know yeah. this season. But like, dude, check yourself. Clark goes into the dining hall only to discover horrifyingly that Abby has been killed and Simone has taken over her body. Clark tries to keep it together as Russell announces that they're heading to space to hide out until Sanctum is safe again. Raven is threatened into piloting and Murphy and Amori choose to stay on earth to help their friends. At this Clark reveals to them secretly that it's her and not Josephine. And then we flash to the mothership where Indra, Nyla and the other warriors wait outside the airlock to find Clark, Russell, Simone in Abby's body holding Maddie, Gaia and Raven at gunpoint. 
Um, so I guess first off, you know, Abby coming in here with her like pretty ugly prime garb is really a punch to the chest, both for like us and Clark. I mean, like, again, I knew it was coming. And at this point, you also knew it was coming, but it still was just like, wow, you know? Yeah, it was painful. And again, I just wanted to comment that it's still ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Her clothes are still <laughs> ugly. Um, I did want to call out Gabriel is the true hero of this scene. Uh, I think, you know, he can see that Clark is breaking down, as anyone would when confronted with your someone snatching your mother's body. Um, and he heroically steps in and averts Clark's attention to him and gives her an excuse to channel her rage and an outlet for her emotions um, that doesn't raise suspicions for everyone else. And I think that not only speaks to how, like, emotionally in tune he is with, like, others, but also how quick on his feet he is. Yeah. You know, he's great. Really great. Gabriel could be a character that annoys me. Like, in a different circumstance, I think I could be really irritated by him. But I just find him, like, so endearing. Yeah. In this weird way. Like, his, like, optimism and his drive to, like, be a good person is very endearing to me. No, it is. He's a and, very... Like, this was just wonderful. I was like, oh, Gabriel, like, he, like, saved her. I don't know if she could have, like, kept it together. No, he fully saved yeah. her. And I think he, the actor, whose name I'm going to mess up, so I'm not going to try, um, but I think he does a really good job of giving him this, like, overwhelming presence of, like, humanism mm -hmm. to him where he feels so open and and just really easy to connect to. Yeah. Um, that I think in other circumstances, we wouldn't feel that way about him. But I think it's the actor who's like really selling this. And yeah. like, I want to give him his due credit because he does such a good job. I agree. Um, I do really feel like we should have seen the moment that Murphy decides to stay and help his friends instead of going with the rest of the primes. I 100% agree. We just agree. kind of like skipped over that. Like, I don't know if the show thought the moment was like between him and like Clark and Amori there, but I feel like we should have seen him and Amori like look at each other and like make a decision even without speaking of sure. like just like this glance. is not what I want to be a part of definitely like, I completely agree I actually thought I had missed something <laughs> not I this time wasn't paying attention <laughs> <laughs> so nope wasn't me was them yeah um but I did love the scene between Murphy and Clark yeah um and it really does look like you know Clark goes up to Murphy. Murphy's really furious about what happened to Abby. Um, and he like lashes out. And I think at this moment with, with Murphy being like, we're staying here, we're going to help our friends. Clark is able to kind of like put aside her conflicted feelings about what he did to her and kind of forgive him because he is ultimately making the right choice. And she knows that <laughs> making the right choice is really hard for Murphy. It is. Like it's it's harder for him than most people. Um so you know you got to you got to give him credit where it's due. And I I love the way that Murphy looks at Clark when he realizes it's her. Like there's huh. so much like relief and joy and also like a bit of worry and fear too that like she knows what he did and he's just so emotional like yeah. you see this like little smirk like a, a ghost of a smirk on his face yeah. and then this one single tear trickles down oh, his I didn't even face. see him cry he cries you I'm go gonna back have to rewatch that but these two cockroaches man I just... like I mean I just also shout out to Richard Harmon for playing this beautifully like he balances so many things in this scene and you can tell that like not everything is copacetic like yeah. we are not done here but like 
we're we're gonna be it's okay. A start. We're gonna be okay. Yep. But I think, you know, to your earlier question, I'm not sure if we're getting any more than this. I think this might be the reconciliation we're gonna get this season. I, you know, I I don't think so. I wouldn't put money on it. But I just feel like, given the like severity of what happened here. I feel like they need to like have a moment. It doesn't I mean, have to I be think a big moment. This was, but I think you can categorize this as a moment. You I'm really not, do think this I is really it? Think, I think this is I it. I'd be so sad. I, if this I would is be it. sad too. This isn't what I wanted. I mean, I will say I think I need Raven and Clark to, to really reconcile more than I need Murphy and, and Clark to have a moment, but I, just I don't know. Think, I, I don't think this was enough for me. I don't either. But what I'm saying is I think this is enough for the writers. <laughs> That's very possible. <laughs> Those are different things. <laughs> um, the other time that we see Clark almost break in this scene is when uh, Simone threatens Maddie in order to get Raven to agree to pilot their ship. And, you know, we Clark is an inch from breaking character here. Oh, yeah. Like snatching Maddie up and, and killing some people. You can see it on her face. And I'm just like, why did Raven even hesitate? Like, she knows Clark is really Clark. She she knows the stakes here. Like, there's no, there's no win for her to... She's not... We all know she's not not going to save Maddie. So, like, what was the point in her, like, taking her sweet time here? Well, I think she's hesitating just because of everything that's happened this season and her in the way that she's like played a role in other people's bad choices or bad um like wrong moves mm-hmm. um and she like doesn't want to be a part of that but like of course she's going to choose Maddie but like it still is like a war in her head of like I have to like again yeah. I have to like make this choice I mean it's it's nowhere near, near the kind of choices that Clark has to make but <laughs> no it's not and I just it felt it just felt a little contrived to me. It just felt like they were playing it for the sake of this tension with Clark and like, is she or is she going to reveal herself or not? And I just kind of was like, I don't think I believe this, but that's fine. I think I wouldn't have believed if Raven had just been like, okay, I'll pilot, you know, like I, I like that they gave, it was just a very small moment. It but was- they just reminded us again that like Raven specifically is trying to do better in her own way. And so, Okay. I can she had see to weigh that. the choices here. I can see that a little more, I think. That makes a little more sense to me. Um, the last thing I wanted to say, you know, to come full circle here, because I'm pretty sure this is the first thing I also said, <laughs> is that Clark is just so smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she she realizes the guy is not going to take no for an answer here, and she's coming with her. And she figures out a way to use this to their advantage and tells Russell they need Gaia to get onto the ship in order to persuade Indra not to attack them. Which is true. Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. It was flawless. Like, as, like just a split second, like, I don't know how Clark comes up with this stuff. It was masterful. <laughs> masterful shit. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say yeah. is Nyla! Nyla! <laughs> she's back! Back away from my baby, guys. Everyone get away. No guns <laughs> pointed at Nyla. <laughs> oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> All right. That was the episode. Let's talk about um, some of our discussion points. So first, I want to talk about some title meanings in this episode. Again, the title is Adjustment Protocol. And there are a few ways that we can interpret this. I think the most literal being the actual 
bomb chemical mix uh, that they have deemed the adjustment protocol to make um, the people of Sanctum more compliant and also turns them into murderers. And I think the second way that we can talk about this is sort of the evolution of creating a population of people that are willing to accept certain faiths, even in the face of certain truths, like we were saying earlier. Yeah. Over a long period of time. And last but not least, which I think is possibly the most interesting way of talking about this, is, you know, adjustment protocol not actually referring to the people of Sanctum at all, but to the, the primes and their slow evolution over time of becoming more and more disconnected with humanity and, you know, on their journey to becoming immortal and their sort of like adjustment to that new stasis. So, yeah. Agreed. Anything to add there? Nope. Okay. You're the one who pulls out the meanings and things. Yeah, sure. You're about to like. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to theorize. Theorize. (laughs) And she was like, got any theories? I was like, nope. (laughs) This is what we do. Um, so what was your favorite line? So I had two favorite lines and I couldn't choose between them. So That's I, fair. I've I, done that many times. I did both, but I only did both because I think that they're related in an interesting way that I'm not sure if the show intended or not. Okay. I can't tell. Um, my first favorite line is there's something more powerful than the truth. And then Russell saying you're wrong. Faith is. And my second favorite line was Octavia telling Bellamy to have some faith. Which was a glorious moment. It was glorious. Um, And I just love this idea here that faith really is more important than truth. Because it's kind of like um, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a cat in the box and it could be dead or not. You don't know. But until you actually open the box, both possibilities exist. Sure. Um, And so, you know, when you have faith, it doesn't necessarily matter what the facts are or you know what the truth is although again I I don't think those are you know different things necessarily um but that the the faith and like your choice is almost more important than the truth itself yeah in some ways I mean not always I think truth in media (laughs) is is important but you do you need some objective reporting i don't think we can get into like the 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 issues we have with truth in this society let's not (laughs) but i will say that i agree with you and i like this interplay between the idea of octavia coming to faith and finding her faith herself and then trying to share that faith with her friends and family and then also the way that russell and gabriel talk about faith in this sort of like esotericness of faith and I, I also wanted to say that like faith and religion aren't the same things either no um I think that the way that Russell phrases it you could assume it means religion but it's really not it's just about what you choose to believe in whatever that is and Octavia is basically telling Bellamy like choose to believe that they're safe that because they're gonna be okay there's no other way that you can function unless you you know make this choice so there's no alternative yeah yeah I love both of those lines I love them together I think it's really 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 smart um so my favorite line is from Gabriel when he tells Russell truly you must see that like without death life is meaningless because I I really do believe this like this is a line that has like stuck with me and I feel like this is like you know you have to live every moment to its fullest life is precious and you you can't waste it um, you don't get more than one life. And if you do, then life becomes meaningless. And I really, I think this is just a really important note. 
As someone who might probably choose to be a vampire. I know. I don't know if I would necessarily believe it. I know. But you and I are like fundamentally we are different fundamentally people. I would different. never, ever want to be a vampire. I don't think you need to categorize something by its opposite. Like, for example, I don't believe that to like understand joy, you have to know pain. I think you can understand joy without knowing pain. It's just pain gives a different meaning to the joy. Sure. I think life has meaning in and of itself, but I think the the reality of death for all of us gives it um, a different context that we, we have to like come to terms with. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. Yeah. This is still my favorite line. I No, I, I love this line. Yeah. I'm, I, I do love this line. I'm just saying I don't know if I agree with it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite scene? Um, my favorite scene was when Clark finds out that Abby's dead, uh, and then, like, she has that exchange with Gabriel, and then she reveals to Murphy that she's alive. It was just, there was a lot happening there, and a lot of emotion, and it was really great. Yeah, and similarly, mine was Abby's death scene, and her apology tour with, you know, Jackson and Raven and Clark, and... Again, a lot happening there, a lot of emotions, but ultimately very satisfying, and, you know, I feel... I feel good about this. Yeah, ultimately. So that's the episode. Yeah. The next episode is the season finale. Woohoo! The Blood of Sanctum, it is called. Which Light and breezy. Very dramatic. <laughs> very dramatic. I'm sure nothing scary happens in this episode. <laughs> in this episode, Sanctum becomes a battleground between the devout and the non-believer. Devote. Yeah. The devout and the non-believers. Clark and co. fight for control over the mothership and... Da, 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 da. the mystery of the anomaly deepens mm. very exciting okay so hit me with some of your finale predictions here yeah um i always like to like throw out some predictions for the finale and this is the first finale that i don't really know what's coming i mean not that i did the other ones but i feel like i called it i mean i, I know i called it whereas like this one i'm like I don't know. I don't know what could happen. Um, so here are a few of my theories. We do see in the promo that Bellamy, Octavia, and Echo, and, like, the rest of the children um, have a bomb of the red sun toxin, like, thrown into their room. And so I'm wondering, like, are they going to be affected by it? And if so, what are they going to see? Like, I know they took antitoxin. Mm-hmm. But maybe this is happening after the antitoxin is worn off. I don't know. Um, and if this is kind of their moment to have like maybe Bellamy is going to go on his mushroom guided journey. <laughs> I, uh, I, I hope it's good. <laughs> I hope he realizes some things. <laughs> I hope Echo realizes some things. Yes. Too. <laughs> um, my second theory is to get the flame out of Maddie. They're going to have to destroy the flame and like move forward with the new look on religion. And the reason I think this is just because Gaia has slowly had her she slowly had to like reconfigure what she believes um and and what she wants to believe and i just i think we've run out of a use for the flame i don't think that a child should have this responsibility um i think maddie should get the chance to actually be a kid yeah like she's never really been able to before um never not since she was born because she like had to hide from being in nightblood and then the world was over and then she became the commander and it's just it's been a lot let the girl go to school and like have crushes and do normal things sure i'm Um, all for that i don't know if this is going to happen i think the like alternative is 
Echo might get the flame, Maybe. but that just doesn't quite seem right for me. I agree. Also, Echo is on the ground and Maddie is in space, so it just, I don't know. I don't know how that would work out. Um, you know what I think about sometimes? I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show, but like the the whole concept of the grounder religion where they like gathered a bunch of like nightblood kids and then made them fight to the death, not only is like horrible Hunger Games shit, but also just like does not make any sense. Not only have you mentioned this on the show, <laughs> you have mentioned it several times. But like seeing how Sanctum works and seeing how rare Nightblood is, it's wild to me that they're just like killing off all their Nightbloods every time they crown a new commander because like those people don't last very long and then you've got no Nightbloods and then you have no commander. What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think this was thought through properly. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think in season one or whenever they were making that this That was season out. two slash three. Yeah. So... Then it was season three. It was definitely season three. Was so I'm just saying. Season three when they were doing all. That? It was season three when um, Lexa died and they took well, the yes, chip I out. And we that. had to have the whole situation. We didn't know before how the next commanders were chosen. Right, right, right. Got yeah. it. Okay. So just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't. It doesn't. You're third. Right. Third. Are all the primes going to die? I'm thinking. I'm hoping Gabriel won't. I feel like everyone else will. Yes. I feel like yes. But again, I wouldn't put money on it. Uh, no, I wouldn't either. Especially because that feels very much in line with a book one series of the hundred. And we are now in a book two kind of group. I think what could happen instead is that Clark and co will remove all of they the mind them. drives and destroy them, which we've already realized that they can still live without the mind drives, but yeah. they just get one life. Um, that feels more in line with, with book two, with this like do better. I love that theory. We'll I see. hope that happens. We'll see. Um, and then what's going to happen to the sleeping people on the mothership? Are we going to wake them up? Are we going to leave them there? Like we don't really have the resources right now to deal with them. I no. guess Sanctum like kind of does, but that's a lot of people. It's a just lot of down, people. You know, I'm gonna have to do some more terraforming here. <sighs> Number four, at the end, my theory is either Dioza comes out of the anomaly with like a fully grown hope, or at least like a you know, a sizable child hope, mm -hmm. or Clark is going into the anomaly for whatever reason, mm -hmm. or both, <laughs> or both. I do think Clark at some point will go into the anomaly. I don't know if it would be at the end of this season or next season. Sure. But I think we have to see the anomaly from Clark's POV, right? We have to. Or I at least so. like a major character because we have to follow them in. We got to go in. Yeah. And now knowing that season seven is the last season, I'm trying to think like, where do we go from here? Is, do we time travel? Do we time travel back? I hope we don't. Oh I really God. hope that. I, I, mean, I love time travel pray we don't time travel. But I don't want to time travel back and like save the world because honestly is the world worth saving? <laughs> but also like would that just negate all of the pain and suffering and like learning well, and growth that we have done? I don't think it would negate it. I don't think these people would be born but I do think it would save a lot of other people. I'm just like no. I mean I would not choose that but I also can't think like if the hundred wants to do something like bigger than ever for their last season maybe they want to do smaller 
I have a hard time believing that Jason would go smaller. It's Jason Rothenberg. I'm Let's be saying, real here. Maybe they could just <laughs> settle down and have some kids. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they can. That just- would be so mind-blowing maybe they could all go into the anomaly where they'll find dioza she's like set up a nice little practice she is you know giving therapy to everyone else who's ever gone into the anomaly and they're all just living happily and then our group can be like oh this is it this is our end game and then they all stay and clark and melanie get together and have babies and gabriel and octavia after a long journey together get together i don't know if they have kids they don't need kids necessarily uh, who else? Raven finds a great person, girl or not guy. Riker. Don't care. Not Riker, because Riker be dead, probably. Um, Echo finds someone who loves her truly, like she deserves to be loved. Am sure. I missing anything? That's what I want for the end. Of the no, series. but that's also what I want. Again, I just want them to be happy. Yeah. I just want them to be happy. I don't know. I, I truly used to believe that the show would end with Clark or Bellamy dying, but I, I was thinking probably Clark, that. but I don't believe it anymore. I don't think with the direction it's gone, I don't think we're going there. Um, so I actually think it could be happy. You know, the reason I always thought it might end tragically is because Jason Rothenberg was always like, this show is a tragedy, even though I don't agree with that. Um, but I always thought like ugh, he would just like, kill off Clark at the end and be like I never lied to you you know but I I, I really do think like this season has been about hope yeah and I hope that (laughs) I hope that that's where the show ends with hope so yeah same yeah okay guys (laughs) that was our episode if you would like to get in contact with us you can you can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com that's s-k-a-i-c-a-s-t-k-r-u at gmail.com you can also tweet at us at skycast and you can tweet at us at our own twitter accounts i am at bperlman89 and i'm at sarah r mccabe and until next time our very last episode of season six may we may we we meet again (laughs) may we meet again bye guys bye